0: Friends, the Lord be with you. Please be seated. Thank you. And as we begin, let us lead. Let me lead you. Uh, lead us in a word of prayer. Our heavenly Father, as we gather once again today to hear Your Word from Daniel, we pray that Your Spirit will open us to Your will, to listen to Your warnings, and to draw strength from Your assurances in jesus name i pray amen our friends today we continue with our series on the book of daniel uh, in particular the the chapter 8 on page 888 that we read just now and in the middle of your bulletin you will find uh, a sermon guide in some space for you to write on as we begin i would like to ask a question uh, what have we seen so far in Daniel. Well friends, the first six chapters, six chapters has shown us our God who in chapter 1 preserves Daniel and his friends who have been exiled to the Babylonian court, and in chapter 2 who reveals the secrets of his kingdom and who saves even in the most difficult circumstances in Daniel 3, and who rules the kingdoms of men in Daniel 4, and he has shown us Uh, to be our God who judges and punishes in chapter 5. And in chapter 6, has shown us his greatness and and has overcome human deceit and manipulation. And a couple of weeks ago, when we were doing uh, Daniel 7, we find that uh, um, he is our God who triumphs and controls human history until he brings it to a close under the feet of his son and his holy people seven chapters, friends, describing our great God stepping into the lives of ordinary men like Daniel and his three friends who were exiles in Babylonia, and also stepping into the lives of those who are not so ordinary, men like the Babylonian kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, and showing us just who is in charge. And our God, who will rule beyond human history as he brings his kingdom into its full glory in his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Interesting though, when we come to chapter 8 today, that vast picture, the huge picture of God's power and might, narrows down to two brief moments in human history as we look at our God who warns. If we will turn to page 888 to Daniel 8, as we look at the text in three parts. Firstly, the ram and the he-goat from uh, verses 1 to 8. Then the little horn from verses 9 to 14. And then God's warning from the, uh, the rest of the passage from 15 to the end of chapter 8. So looking at the text, uh, first of all, let us look at the ram with two high, uh big, or uneven horns. Let me read first one to you. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. Well, friends, this is the second vision that God has sent, has given to Daniel, following the first one that was given in chapter 7. And though this vision was given in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar of Babylon, that is around the year 550 BC, it is describing events beyond Belshazzar, even beyond the Babylonian Empire. We know this because Susa only became one of the three capitals or royal cities of the vast Middle Persian Empire which succeeded the Babylonians. This was a city, if you know uh, from, the word, from the book of Esther, where one of the middle Persian kings, King Xerxes, met Esther his queen in the year 460 BC, about 100 years from the time uh, this vision was given to Daniel. But in his vision, Daniel saw Susa with all the grandeur, all the trappings of a capital city. Not at all like the Susa of his time, partially destroyed and abandoned in the wars between Babylonia and Assyria. In the following two verses from 3 to 4, Daniel saw a ram, a ram, a male sheep, with two big horns of uneven size, the larger one appearing at a later stage from the smaller one. Daniel saw the, the ram charging westward and northward and southward, in fact, everywhere, defeating every animal who attempts with that attempts to stand in its path. And as a result, it can do anything it wanted until the male goat with a big horn came on the scene. You see, as Daniel was wondering and thinking about what he was seeing and what the ram would continue to do. Verse 5 tells us that a male goat with a great big horn came charging from the waist and it moved so fast that its feet did not even touch the ground. And verse 6 tells us that the intensity, the sheer strength of its attack, the fury of its uh, war against this ram was so great that the ram's two horns were broken. The ram was defeated and trembled on the ground. I was just like, National Geographic, you know, when you see these two big animals with big horns fighting each other and clashing uh, during the uh, mating season. It was a timely warning that nothing, no matter how powerful, no matter how immense, no matter how invisible it might appear to be, no one, nobody, no animal is forever. And later we will see from the explanation by the, Gabriel, uh, by the angel Gabriel in verses 20 and 21 that the realm was the Middle Persian Empire that reigned supreme for over 200 years from BC 550 to BC 333 when it was finally overrun by the goat that represented the Greek Macedonian forces of Alexander the Great. Now, back to the male goat. And just as nothing could withstand the power of the ram in its time, now nothing could withstand the power of the male goat. The goat become, became even bigger than the ram. But at the peak of the, 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 the goat's power, the big horn was broken. And in its place, rose up four big horns. Friends, this is another warning to us, that no earthly power or kingdom or person lasts forever. World history tells us that Alexander conquered nearly the whole of the known world of his time, but died of illness in BC 323 at the young age of 33, at the peak of his physical power and his military and political power. Let me read verse 8 to you. Then Then the goat became exceedingly great. But when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven. The big horn was replaced by four other horns, that reach out as if towards the four winds of heaven. And Gabriel explained later in verse 22, that Alexander's kingdom would be divided among his four successors, who would take the the title of kings for themselves. But these four were only mentioned in passing, as the vision zoomed in more on the little horn. Now the little horn from verses 9 to 14 would have humble beginnings, But then it will grow very big and will do terrible things as it trampled holiness to the ground. Daniel now saw not beast fighting against beast, but at the height of his beastly arrogance and stupidity, the little horn, the man beast if you like, would now seek to overthrow God himself to trample holiness to the ground. Verse 9 tells us that the horn that started out as a little horn became exceedingly great and it sets its sight towards all around, even to the glorious land, that is the land promised by God to His people. In Jeremiah 3 and Ezekiel 20, the Bible tells us that the glorious land is God's God's promised land to His people that is flowing with milk and honey. The little horn sets its sight. Towards the, the glorious land. And it even reached out in verse 10 to fight the host of heaven, to cast down some of them, including the stars. Later in our passage, the angel Gabriel in verse 24 would explain that these were God's people, the saints. And the stars were some of the mighty ones among them, the leaders and the priests. As we continue with verse, verses 12, eleven to twelve, this little horn even set himself to challenge God Himself, the host, the prince of the host. Not only his people, in his arrogance and ignorance, it placed itself equal to God. The regular Jewish sacrificial rites of worship were forbidden. The sanctuary in the temple was defiled. Even God's truth. God himself was denied. In verse 12, it says that even truth was thrown to the ground. But, you know, friends, this awful scene of God's warning of evil times came with his reassurance and his comfort. The power of evil would be limited. And Daniel now saw in verse 13 and 14, two unnamed saints, the holy ones, talking to each other. And their question was not, how can God's people, how can His holy people, His holy ones, His glorious land, His sanctuary, even His own name, be trampled upon? No. Instead, the question they asked was, for how long is this going to be? Is this going to be? They understood that God was in complete control at all times. And the answer given to them was 2,300 days. Now, friends, there is no special significance in the number 2300. It is just a symbolic indication of the limited span of time before evil will be brought down by God. And just as the ram and the goat were brought down in their own time, so too would this little horn. And now we move to the end of our passage to verses 15 to 17 to God's warning. Uh, Firstly, let's look at the interpreter from 15 to 19. Now, we have had the benefit of looking at some of Gabriel's explanation earlier, but not so for Daniel. And as our passage resumes, we see Daniel now awakened from his vision, all confused and hungering for an explanation of what he has seen. And then he saw in verse 16, God appeared to him in the form of a man. And God spoke to him in the voice of a man, commanding the, the angel Gabriel to explain his vision to Daniel. And Daniel heard as if God's voice was coming from the banks of the Ulai canal that he saw in his vision. In verse 17, we were told that when the angel appeared, Daniel collapsed. And when Daniel spoke of the time of the end, Daniel fell unconscious on his face. But the angel woke him up and said to him, Let me explain to you what the time of the end means. Now friends, here we would need to look at two other verses to get the full meaning. And Firstly, we have seen in verse 13, we saw the holy ones speaking to each other, asking how long is God going to allow the trampling of holiness? And later in verse 19, uh, the, the, Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel explains that time, that that time, is, time, is God's appointed time for the end of the indignation, that is, the end of the trampling of holiness. So the angel's words in verse 19 was not the end of all time, but of the end of the evil doings of the little horn. So the angel continued and speak about the ram in verse 20. Remember, friends, that Daniel who was now an old man, was still serving in the Babylonian court of King Belshazzar. And he has just been given a sight of world power shifting from Babylonia to the Middle Persian Empire, which will then reign for the next 200 years. He would even serve the first king of the Middle Persian Empire, King Darius himself, uh, which we will see in the next chapter, chapter 9. During this time in world history, no other human kingdom will be able to withstand the might of the Middle Persians and they will rule supreme for 200 years. Gabriel continued until the goat came into the picture. Now, the goat, Gabriel explained, was the great king, while the great horn was Alexander the Great, who became king at the age of 20 in the year BC 336. And in just two and a half short years, Alexander conquered the Persian Empire that has stood supreme for over 200 years. And in 10 more years, Alexander conquered the rest of the known world at that time, as far east as India and as far south as Egypt. Alexander's conquest was described in verse 5 as the male goat who came from the west across the face of the earth without even touching the ground. Now, Alexander, as world history tells us, died in 323 BC at the peak of his power and political and military might. He was just 33. At his death, his kingdom was divided among his four generals, The four other horns in verse 22 which did not have the same power as Alexander did. And then came the little horn. Who was this little horn? Can history identify him, this little horn? Well, history certainly can. For verse 23 describes the passing of 148 years in less than 30 words. It was in 175 BC, that Antiochus IV took the Greek throne by deceit from his own nephew. And his evil treatment of God's people are captured in some Jewish writings, in some Jewish books, describing Antiochus' deception and terrible persecution of the Jewish people. He was killing them and selling them off as slaves, robbing the city, uh, pillaging the temple, offering pagan sacrifices on the temple altar, and forcing pagan worship among God's people. He even dared to call himself as Antiochus Epiphanes, or God made manifest in his conceit, in his conceit and self proclaimed greatness. But as with all things that we have seen, including the ram and the goat, this little horn will be destroyed not by another man, but by divine hands. Antiochus died under mysterious circumstances, which we'll look at in more detail in a little while. And the angel says, the angel Gabriel ends this explanation by instructing Daniel to seal up the vision. Let me read the final two verses for you. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true, but seal up the vision for it refers to many days from now. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business. But I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. Now, friends, uh, Now, friends, remember that at this time, the temple in Jerusalem and even the walls of the city have not been revealed. But Daniel has been given a vision that will go beyond this time, beyond the restoration of the temple to its uh, desecration by Antiochus. It was God's way of warning his people, there will always be persecution. Daniel's vision will be sealed up for now, but 380 years in the future, His words will remind them that God has already warned them in advance in the words of Daniel chapter 8. With that warning, God has also assured them that evil would be limited. Above all, God has assured that he would always be in control. So friends, in conclusion, chapter 8 shows us two warnings from God. Firstly, God wants us not to put our trust in human kingdoms. Great kingdoms do arise. They rise and may seem that they are here to stay forever, but God will limit their power and influence. So God's warning is, don't put our trust in worldly kingdoms that will pass away, but in the eternal kingdom of God that will last forever. Secondly, God wants us, of persecution and evil in the last days, but at the same time, God comforts us and tells us that this time will not last. In the little horn, we see Antiochus trampling holiness into the ground. He didn't last. and Some writings say that he died when for no reason, as he was riding fast in his chariot, he flew out of the chariot. And he fell onto the ground, onto the road, and uh, hit the ground and broke all the bones in his body and died. He didn't die by natural means. Uh, He didn't die by human hands. Some say he died of a mysterious stomach pain that cannot be cured. He didn't die by human hands. Other writings say he died of depression. Again, he didn't die from human hands. Evil will not last, friends. God will limit it. Now, the name Antichrist never appeared in the Old Testament. Now, if we we look at Antichrist and we use the name to describe someone who is opposed to holiness, who is opposed to God, then we can see that Antiochus was the Old Testament Antichrist who came on the scene before the appearance of God's kingdom that was first brought in by Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God has limited Antiochus' evil. And now, as we await the second coming of Christ to bring us to be with him forever, we are living in a world that is full of evil. Our Lord Jesus himself warns us that evil exists in the world in John 7, verse 7. The world hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. We see the church, Under persecution and even death, we see Christians marginalized, suffering, and persecuted for acknowledging God as Lord of their lives in the liberal, westernized countries. While in the other parts of the world, they were starving, they are starving without medicines, without water, without the protection of the law. And it is so tempting for us sitting in the pews to ask, why God? Why do you allow this? Why do you allow the leaders and the saints of your church, the stars and the hosts of heaven to be trampled upon? But God himself has already warned us in Daniel. Evil and persecution and suffering exists not only in the past. It will remain until the final putting down of the Antichrist. The apostle John reminds us in 1 John chapter 2 that many antichrists have come and that we live in the final hour. He defined them as he who denies the father and the son. The apostle John, uh, the apostle Paul calls him the man of lawlessness. Laws, let me say that again. The apostle Paul calls him the man of lawlessness. In 2 Thessalonians 2, he says, The man of lawlessness who opposes and exalts himself so that he can take his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Sounds, words, that sounds very familiar to us, don't they? It's as if Daniel 8 is speaking to us again. He took his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And so friends, we are reminded that as we lived, as we live in these last days, and as the as the world suffers from evil powers that are drawn as if from the devil himself, Daniel has shown us that God is in full control and that he will limit the days of evil. And on that day, as our Psalmist tells us in our Psalm seventy-five uh, verses eight to ten. Our psalmist tells us this, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs, and all the horns of the wicked he will cut off. One final word of comfort as we wait for that day. comes from Revelation 17, our New Testament reading, Revelation 17, 14. They, the enemies of God, they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. So friends, as we wait for that day to come, when Jesus will come and take us home to be with Him, stay strong in the Lord and rejoice in Him. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your assurance of victory over evil. We thank you for promising, for promising to limit these days. Most of all, we thank you for loving us. And we pray that your spirit will give us the strength to persevere in this world until Jesus comes for us and restores all things new. In his mighty name we pray. Amen.